Hello and welcome back to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa. I'm an actor, comedian. I live in LA and it takes me forever to break up with somebody. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just going to introduce myself before we dig in. Okay. I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a psychotherapist and multicultural counselor. Can you hear the dogs barking <laughs> in my neighborhood? A little bit, but that's okay. Yeah, I just, uh, whatever. Because we're talking about a very serious <laughs> subject today. Um, one, I want to talk about managing depression because a lot of people think that, you know, I'm depressed and now I'm cured and 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 uh, it's the end. And yes. the truth is I've been on meds for uh, three years mm-hmm. on the Lexapro and, uh, and I'm doing well because my depression is managed like a hedge. What like, was it? What was it that got you to that point where you were even starting to consider treatment? Um, despair, kind of routine. Oh, first of all, the dog barking next door. And um, <laughs> can you hear that? Yes. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like we're recording at the Humane Society. Um, despair. I would uh, every day at about three, I would be in a rush to get home. Yeah. Because I was going to fall asleep mm-hmm. and I needed to nap every single day at a mm-hmm. certain time. And because if I was out and about, I would literally stop in my tracks. Oh, my God. Now my other dogs are going bananas. <laughs> Hold on one second. Okay. Yes. <laughs> They're going back to the pound. Um, <laughs> What what brought me to that point was despair. I would feel despair every day. I would feel despair and hopelessness. Mm. And, and, and it would usually happen to me at Trader Joe's. I'd be pushing my cart and I would just stop and I would stare off into space. And I would feel like complete, like my life is something that I'm not capable of handling right now. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to handle it. It, it just felt really hopeless. I felt overwhelmed by being a husband, being a father and having to... Uh, uh, keep a career in yeah. TV going. All of that was just everything felt overwhelming. Was there anything? But started, was there anything specific at that time that or was it just kind of a general, you know, kind of uh, issues that were coming up around just the general state of your I, life? Or was like, it- I'm not. I'm not. I, I, what was going on at the time was my <laughs> dogs. <laughs> okay, what was going on at the time was my my son was going through a lot of changes. Uh, he was going through puberty and it was, uh, he's still going through it. He's still, he's 15, 16 years old, but it was just really a really rough transition. Yeah. And it was, it's one of those things that as a parent, they tell you what's coming up, but the actual thing of it is a completely different thing. Yeah. And my therapist said that I was grieving and I didn't know mm, it. Yeah. Yeah. That I was grieving the past because he is, I said, why am I sad? He goes, you only get to see your kids grow up once. And when they turn from kids into adolescence and they go through puberty, the door in their childhood is, is closed forever. Yeah. And I really love that part of being a parent. So yeah. I was grieving that. I, I didn't know it. Right. Well, when you're, when your therapist threw that out there to give you that perspective, how much did that even help some of what you were feeling? Everything made perfect sense. Yeah. Did you notice that your mood started to change even just from helping align that perspective? Just, a little just bit more? from acknowledging it, yeah. just from saying this is what you're going through. And, yes. you know, and it's also like, you know, being a queer person, getting older, you know, just kind of like everything was just too much. And I, I talked earlier, I said at the beginning of the show that it takes me forever to break up with somebody. Yeah. And it's that's part of it, too. It it, it like I'm always working on things, but like my attachments, I get really, really attached to a situation. 
Yeah. So like um, when they say uh, kids go through adolescence or they go through puberty, it's like you form the most important, powerful emotional attachment with a, another human being yeah. in your life. And then they break up with you. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a, that the makes thing sense? That, yeah, it does make sense. And the thing that can make depression be really severe too is when we don't have as much of an awareness or context for where it's coming from. And we feel mm -hmm. as though not just the kind of depths of sadness and despair that we can feel because of what might be going on, but also a little bit of like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And then you start to feel broken. We don't really have the awareness about why some of these deeper emotional things actually do make sense. You know, and that's what that's what can really trip us up is now we feel really sad and also broken. Mm, I felt sad and ashamed. <laughs> yes, totally. What I was the shame? What I, were you feeling shame for? Well, my I was raised by very stoic people. I was raised by yeah. um, I was raised by people who had survived a war. And that's not a fair fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? If Definitely. You, if you hold your own suffering, emotional health against people who survived a war, then, you know, it, by comparison, everything's going to seem trivial and stupid yes. and, you know, not worthy. And I, I felt um, I wasn't on meds for years and years and years because I came from a culture. It was like, you should be able to handle this yourself. Yeah. Those are for self-indulgent people. But when I actually paid attention to my mental health and did something about it, it was like night and day. Totally. So, I've also, I've also yeah. come from some experiences like in my family where that was the same kind of message, right? Like just like pick yourself up, move through your day, do what you need to do. There wasn't as much of an awareness around the emotionality of what I was experiencing, you know? So that took me more time to really be able to explore. I think that's probably why I do what I do now because I was just so interested and I wanted to uncover this stuff. But you were talking about difficulty in breaking up and I also experienced that. I feel I find it difficult in breakups too because I can, you know, get to a place where I can feel it within me that things aren't right, but I kind of keep thinking, well, I should be able to do, a, you know, one step or another step and it should, everything should be fine and this should work out. And I feel like I'm broken because something isn't matching up and this is a good person and, and that kind of stuff. And being able to get to a place where I can start to actually trust my heart a little bit more and and understand that what I'm feeling makes sense and is not broken or damaged that helps my mood and also helps me move through some of the places where I feel stuck. See, you're ahead of the game though. You try to make it work with good people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I would always try to make relationships work with the biggest like jerks <laughs> out there because that was my self-esteem. It was kind of like, well, this is what I got. I got to work with it. I got to, you know, I was always making the best of a terrible situation, Yeah. but it's like, I think I think that when you break up with somebody, it's it's an emotional detox. Yeah. I think that it's really like a it's it's harder than detoxing from drugs, as far as I'm concerned. It's just kind of like getting somebody out of your mind and out of your heart, and being able to move on. That's that's that hurts. Well, it hurts just in the same way that you were talking about other experiences where you've moved through grief. We're still grieving the loss of a person. You know, we're grieving loss of a person. We're grieving the loss of a relationship. We're grieving the loss of all the work and the effort and the emotionality that we put into that, you know, um, situation. So there's a lot that we have to move through. And, and all of that isn't a bad thing, right? It's like, that's just a natural part of life is, is grieving, but making sure that we have the appropriate perspective and tools to help us manage that so we can move through it instead of getting mired yeah. down and stuck in it. That's what I needed. I needed I needed meds and tools back at the time. I'm talking early 90s. I held yes. on for a long time. I broke up with this guy in 93 yeah. and I was still obsessing about it. 
it yeah. like towards the end of the decade. Wow, really? Do you think that's inappropriate? I don't think it's inappropriate. That's a long time though. But I mean, I, I also can kind of, my very first love, it was back in 2000, 2000, uh, 2003. And I would say probably until about 2008 or nine, did I finally like fully let it go and realize like, okay, yeah, that wasn't right. Or that wasn't, how long, that was how long together with that guy? Oh, it was about a year, but he was just like, it was just like, you know, the first cut is the deepest. Like it was truly my yeah. first, first love. Yeah. Yeah. We've been together about four days and I obsessed <laughs> about it for 10 years. No, I'm kidding. Um, but that was the relationship that brought me into uh, sex and love addicts. Oh, um, got it. That's, okay. But that's where I was like, okay, you got a problem. Because like, I yeah. was like, yeah. Well, then what a gift to help you actually confront some things that needed to be confronted. <laughs> Right. What a what a beautiful, beautiful gift. <laughs> I would have rather liked a toaster or a motorcycle. <laughs> In keeping with this theme, we, we have a guest today who yes. is just I mean, I mean ready I mean talk about ready to talk about the nitty-gritty. This this yeah. this uh it, we we literally have a rock star yes. on the program. Today. It's a literal rock star, and I'm really excited yeah. about our guest. Yeah. He was the lead singer. He was the lead singer of the iconic band Scissor Sisters. He's a singer songwriter currently working on his next solo album, which we absolutely cannot wait to hear. Cannot wait to hear. He made his Broadway debut in January 2018, starring in Kinky Boots. Love that show. And the next month, he published his autobiography, Boys Keep Swinging. This man does it all. He's a singer, author, actor, songwriter. Let's bring on the amazing Jake Shears. Yay! Hello. Hi, Jake. Hi. How y'all doing? I've I've been stalking you on Instagram. I know that you moved to New Orleans. Do you love it? I'm crazy about New Orleans. It's uh, yeah. it's one of my favorite places on the planet. Um, I've been coming down for like five years. I've had a little tiny place here, but I finally got a a house and um, you know, kind of based down here full time. I do miss the West Coast. So I will be coming back to LA for a yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I can't. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it is, it's a small town here. So it's a, it's a lot to get used to. It's, it's a it's, small town with its own culture. I feel like when I was in every, my husband is from New Orleans. So we go there you know, a lot and, you know, clearly not this year because of Rona, but uh, it, it, it feels like every time I'm in New Orleans, it feels like I'm in a different country. Yeah, I mean it's it's got it's its own world with its own rules, its own traditions, uh, its own people. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a magical place. There's so much uh, there's so much culture here, and there's so much go- for such a tiny place. There's yeah. there's oodles of stuff going on at any given minute of the day, and the people are wonderful. Also, you know, there's it's interesting right now because there's no tourists. Oh yeah. Which you never get to experience this city without, and the tourists are amazing, and they're what part of what makes a city fantastic. But uh, it's all locals, so it's really interesting to just oh, wow. be living. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you never really get that other than at bitch in the summer here. But uh, yeah, it's a small town, and so it's it's a lot to get a lot to get used to. It's I don't think I'm going to be able to date anybody here. Why not? <laughs> it's just too tense. Oh, because it's too, it's like San Francisco. You're never, you're going to run into them every 10 feet. Again. Yeah, I try to stay away from the gays. <laughs> <laughs> the Sorry, New Orleans gays. Sorry about that. No, I'm kidding. It's not going to be happening with Jay. Away from the gays. I love the gays down here. It's just, yeah, it is a small, it's a, you know, it's a small pool down here. What was it about New Orleans that made you want to kind of hunker down there through this year? Um, well, it's just my, it, it's, you know, it is, it's 
you know, one of my favorite places on the planet. And I actually bought this house uh, right like two weeks before COVID hit. Yeah. So it was really strange timing. And then- Oh, so that wasn't your plan. It, what Your intention wasn't to hunker down there. You just happened to buy the place. Yeah, it was like, it's time. I've been here for five oh, years. Wow. It's time to like really kind of like buy a house now. Yeah. Okay. So I made that decision. And then, you know, I was like, wow, I'm doing something really like good for myself. This is yeah. great. And then like the Lord said, you know, <laughs> the Lord said, oh, stay. Is this your first house? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's not, but it's, it's my, it's my, yeah, it's my, my, my one and only now. So oh, wow. Yeah. we can see a little bit of it. It's really beautiful. Actually. Thank with the exposed you. Brick. Yeah. It looks amazing. It's nice. It's my first uh, place that I've done single. Like my first house that I've made as a as a single person, so that's oh. been a trip. That's really been a trip. Like I've not had to. No one's told me no, and I'm oh, also. Oh, that's so nice. It's nice, but I'm colorblind, so I. Uh, maybe I didn't know that. No, I mean it's not bad, but I really get some certain colors mixed up and stuff. And I like bright things, um, yeah. so there's there's definitely some. Um, you know, I've got like an orange couch here that I thought was pink, but it's not. Oh. <laughs> so it's fully Nickelodeon over there. Okay, got it. <laughs> I like the butt portrait that's on the um, Thank on you. The Thanks. I appreciate that. Maple um, do you like living alone? I lived alone for a year in New York and then a year in LA, and I really liked it. Like I got into it. Well, I've got my little dog, you know, so it, it never feels uh too too lonely but i actually i do like living with somebody else i do like people around and i have you know i've got a a friend coming for two weeks you know i like friends to come and stay for like a long time and uh, really yeah yeah you know just to like have somebody around people have the energy make, yeah do their work and whatever you get together at night and make dinner and stuff so i do you know, like two after three days is like okay well this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> the friends I'm talking about are like family, like a long right. time, like, yeah. like super yeah, close. Yeah. We were talking about earlier about um, managing depression. And, yes. um, and for me, that's a relatively new thing. Like I like with meds and everything and really keeping an eye on it. Yeah. Um, what's it been like for you? Because you've you've had your own kind of um, experiences with deep, deep depressions. Yeah, it's been a it's been a journey, and it's like constantly changing. But it's something I've got to kind of stay on top of, uh, you know, all the time, and really listen to what's going on. Um, mm -hmm. It you know it it started up in about 2005, so it's been I've been living with it for about 16 years, and it's mm -hmm. nothing that I ever really had to deal with before. I never had to, growing up, I was always really happy. And in fact, I remember a girl in the eighth grade uh, went to one of our teachers and was weeping at, at lunch break. Um, and I remember her looking my direction and pointing and being like, he's just so happy. <laughs> <laughs> was she in compare and despair mode? Like that's who I should be. And I feel like happy that I'm not that happy. Well, it's like, it, it's, I was just always operating on like a frequency. I think that was a bit like, you know, a, a, a little bit more intense, a little bit higher, mm -hmm. a super mm -hmm. intense. Um, you were that kid. Yeah, I was, I, was, <laughs> I, was that, I was that kid. And that continued on through, uh, you know, into, into college and kind of just into, into my 20s. And um, I was definitely, I think, I, I think it was a bit of mania, but it wasn't like, I, I didn't really dip or anything. It was, but I was right. definitely like always a little bit better than good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matthew, professionally speaking, 
yes. what how what what does that sound like to you? A kid who's like super energetic and the and the and, and all verging on mania is what it sounds like. That sounds like uh, a great know, fucking uh, time. Uh, What's uh, the problem? Uh, <laughs> although, I love it. Sounds great to me, but yeah. like extra extra energy, different level, more intense clinically. Does that sound like anything? I mean, I would just say like anytime that there's that kind of like extra energy going on, I would just be curious about a little bit more of like family dynamics and what has gone on in earlier in life and what role did that person play within a family, right? Because a lot of times too, if there are people who can be, you know, kind of quite sad um, around or if there are other kind of, you know, deeper issues, then all of a sudden we kind of like take on the energy. It becomes this group dynamics phenomenon where we kind of like hold the space and the energy for things that aren't being expressed. So that's where right. you might get some more of that energy. So obviously, Jake, like I was meeting a for the first time. So I'm not sure what your family situation was. But. It would be my mom. My mom is like, yeah, it would definitely be my mom. Uh, I would get that from my mother. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like it balances out a little bit, right? And then once we're out of that family dynamic, then all of a sudden we start getting hit with kind of more of the emotion that we didn't have to feel before because other people were holding that space for us. <sighs> yeah, interesting. I never thought about that before. Yeah. Wow, because, I literally just came up with that like that. I'm glad it was no, right. No, because I was a, such a clown growing up because my dad had PTSD, right? So oh. it was like, you know, being a clown my whole life in order to kind of keep that tap down yeah, and to, to kind of take care of everybody in my family. And when I was in college by myself for the very first time and being alone, I did feel emotions that I hadn't. Yes. I felt a deep sadness that I'd never felt before. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I mean, even for me growing up, I I feel like I was kind of very much the feeler of kind of my family in a lot of ways. And so stepping out of that role, kind of broadening the scope, all of a sudden I had to start really strengthening and exercising my ability to kind of, you know, temper in more rational perspectives and mm. take active steps to be able to nurture myself. Cause otherwise I was just kind of like, well. so we were talking earlier, my depression manifested itself in like a feeling of despair. What, how did yours manifest itself, Jake? Well, mine came on from, uh, from uh, overexertion and, 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 and working too much. And when the band started, there was a solid, like a solid two years of my life, uh, that, I took a, just my brain, my body, uh, I was just overworked. I mean, we, it, it was wild. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't yeah. sleeping. Um, I was running a marathon every day. Yeah. I was in different time zones every day. Yeah. Um, and just, uh, it never came out the other end the same. I never came, yeah. like all that adrenaline that I've been living off of, like once we got off the road uh-huh. um, and I was supposed to make another record and all of that pressure and then just stopping, like you, 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 you get back from something like that and think there's going to be like a ticker tape parade or something, but it's uh-huh. nothing. Nobody cared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. It's, it's a, that, that stop and start from doing a bunch of shows and getting so much love from everybody. And then like going off cycle. I mean, it's like being on steroids or something and like in the testosterone. And then you're just like, you know, there's a huge crash. And that crash uh, really did me in. And it would, uh, it was like, I was getting adrenaline rushes constantly. Just when I was sitting there, like my stomach would just like drop out. It was just like this anxiety. And it just like was, it, it, just fueled this depression, which fueled more anxiety. And it was just like this, uh, 
this cycle. And it was so, um, I couldn't, I can't write or do anything productive when I'm in yeah. that frame of mind. Like I don't want to work. I don't want to, I mean, I got to a place where I'm a person who I listen to music all day. I read books constantly. I I'm a total cinephile. Um, I love that sort of input. And in mm-hmm. that state of mind, I can't even take, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to see anything. Mm-hmm. Anything can kind of trigger a certain, like a kind of, a, you know, a, a, I felt like anything could, you know, trigger me. Um, uh-huh. Kind of like being an anxious mess. So I would uh, just zone out, like you were talking earlier, just uh, like, just you sort of glaze over and you just kind of become like, I'd get like semi-catatonic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're a performer and you're a live performer and it's going well, you are bombarded with all this external stimuli. It's Mm, a lot of energy coming at you. And, and in, you know, I did a Broadway show for three years. And so every night for eight nights a week, I had that external stimuli supporting me and my ego, supporting me and my sense of well-being and who I was and my, my self-esteem and everything. And I always wondered about musicians, especially rock stars, when you have that kind of adulation thrown at you, when it, when it stops, like you said, you were expecting a ticker tape parade. <laughs> yeah. um, and you're working and you're working and you're working and you, you have all that energy that must be really intense to all of a sudden have it like ripped off like it's unnatural yeah yeah and also so extreme because you obviously were you know kind of going 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 like you said the whole ticker tape parade thing it at least would have kind of you know kind of eased you into a period of you know can't things chilling out a little bit but to have it be so stark from one to the other and then just nothing done it's just an ex- done. yeah an extreme crash right and like phys- physiologically and neurologically speaking obviously just a crash from just the chemicals that are pumping through so much of what was going on but then also some of the meaning without us maybe even realizing it the narratives that kind of get spun up and the meaning that we attach situation so i'm kind of curious about that part of it you said that you know any other kind of you know art like movies or music that that stuff could kind of trigger you Mm. um was it is it specific to creative things i mean i had this weird obsessive thing going on in my head at the time where i couldn't look at words without seeing like i would start singing them like it was it was nuts like i was coming up i was obsessively coming up with melodies Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. It's like, You're like you couldn't turn it off. Weird. No, no, I couldn't even like look at words without like coming up with like a, you know, a melody in my head for that. Wow. Yeah. What was, <laughs> so when, when that, when some of that stuff was like happening and like you said, you could, you got to a point where you couldn't even look at any of the stuff anymore and you just totally zoned out. Like, what was it, what was it specifically triggering for you? Uh, anxiety that the well had gone dry. Uh, okay. Anxiety that there was nothing left in uh, there to 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 reach in for. Nothing left. Nothing left to say. Yeah. Um. Which of course is not true, and that's never going to be true. But, but it feels true. It feels true. I mean, yeah, it's it feels like, very true. Yeah, it feels true. And that's a that's a legitimate anxiety. And, and especially if you've had success in 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 previous incarnations of things that you've come up with. It's always about like, oh, then you have the added pressure of having to either match that or top it or in some way, do you feel that pressure? 
Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a whole part of it. I wish there was some way that like I could have protected myself at the time, but it's just like when you, when you have these peaks uh, that are so extreme, yeah. um, there's, there's, you know, there's nowhere else but down, you know? Yeah. And there's, I would have like, I would be having like, and that's, that's something that I, I, I really like, but yeah, I would be having like an incredible moment and I'd be like, wow, this is, you know, when it doesn't get any better than this, yeah, then there's no getting any better. Like, like where does it go? Yeah. Well, you said, um, you know, you kind of wish you would have known differently. Knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time and take care of that person, that Jake, what would you, what would you do differently? Oh, I would have just like, like definitely tried to, you know, separate, you know, my self worth from everything going on. I think it's yeah. also like you tie it, your ego sort of ties in. Uh, with all that, and it's just not yes. real. It's like that. It's not where you should be play, placing your your value on yourself uh, yeah. with any of that stuff. It's all wonderful and it's it's all great, but it has nothing to do with like who you are as a person. Yeah, yeah. totally. I'm nodding my head because it's like that's every behind the music special. It's every <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's every e true Hollywood story is you get this external stimuli that's defining who you are, and when it's taken away, and you don't know who you are without it. Yes. That's a really hard fall. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 I mean, that's, that's the, that was the, you know, that was the experience and like it, you know, I, I've, I, I kept sort of having to deal with that, but it's really cha- like, that is just like changed for me and t- as far as like how I view myself and how I view what I do and the things that I make and the things that I get to do, like there is a much more of a separation for me. Yeah. How do you do that specifically? How do you make sure that you're attending to that separation? It's more about like what the the time and energy that I put into certain things, whether it's uh, making a song or whether it's playing a concert or doing a play or something. It, it's just something that I love to do. And it's something that I enjoy mm-hmm. like, making a song. It's like, I'm never going to like, no one's going to sell millions of records anymore. It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen in that same way. So it's like, I can make something that I love and it's either going to do great or it's not. Yeah. And if I, if, if it's something that I personally treasure and that I love and really enjoyed making, and that means a lot to me, Yeah. Uh, nothing else. It's like, it really, nothing else nothing matters. Else matters I love that. I love that. I so love that's, that. Something, that's something that we call internalizing the locus of control. That the reason why that? I'm internalizing <laughs> the locus of control. Wow. <laughs> internalizing. I mean, I put that on a t-shirt. Okay. Well, I mean, absorb the concept. So internalizing the locus of control, that just basically means that we're checking in with ourselves and recognizing why am I doing what I'm about to do? And am I actually going to be writing a song or doing a podcast or whatever? Am I doing it because it's an offering? Because this is something that really resonates with me. It's something authentic. It's something that I love. It really makes me light up. And then I'm going to share that. And knowing that that's just an offering, take it or leave it. It doesn't have to be a hit. It doesn't matter. I'm just offering that. But it's interesting because I think one of the first times that I kind of like fully grasped that concept was listening to Oprah. And she was in an interview and she was talking about how she had always heard about Michael Jackson always chasing after the dragon with Thriller and just running himself ragged, running himself crazy, never feeling like he could ever measure up to his own creation. And she said, I never wanted to be that. 
I never wanted to do that. She's like, because I realized much in the way that the, that thriller was literally a phenomenon. Mm. So the Oprah Winfrey show for 25 years was a phenomenon. She's like, yes, I was the face of it, but that was its own separate thing. I was just the vessel for it. Mm. She's like, so anything that I've wanted to do, I've always just wanted to make sure that I could really center myself and make sure that it's still just an offering. Yeah. It's like an insurance policy. I mean, it, it's like a personal insurance policy. It's like yes. where it's, yes. it's it's where where if you if if it if it succeeds or if it fails, it's your own personal insurance policy to, as far as you know to to how you're going to feel about it and how you're going to feel about yourself. Exactly, because the unmet expectation, even if it's something that you. So, you know, I had a, I had a, a Showtime special, which I was so proud of, but it didn't, they didn't promote it. And mm. so it kind of like sank, you uh. know, and, and uh, it was about my, uh, how my husband and I foster adopted our son and everything. And, and finally, you know, I had, I had the blues about it for a really, really long time. And, yeah. and somebody said, why'd you do it? Why did you do it? And I said, mm-hmm. well, I love performing and I love telling the story. And she goes, well, then you were successful. Yeah. You did it. And it's out there. So just cut the string and let it be its own thing. And yeah. it's kind of like when you said insurance policy, I paused because the, I had to think about that for a second because I do that in my head. It's kind of like, all right, where am I going to be regardless of how this turns out? Yeah. Mm. What kind of, a you know, am I going to be happy? Am I going to make the decision to be happy? Because it's those unmet expectations that it's like, love me, love me, love me, love me. Yes. You know, which comes from a place of, um, I find with myself, it always comes from a place where I'm identifying with what I do. Yes. Instead of of me owning it. Yeah. Instead of it being separate, like you were talking about earlier. And you were, Alec, you were saying that earlier too, about attachments and how much we can overly attach. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, attachments are normal and we all do it, whether it's relationships with other people or whether it's with our work or any number of things like that's very common, but it really becomes our task for how much can we separate ourselves from attachment and we can actually just move a little bit more of our energy towards connection. That's tricky when it comes to people. It's true. Yeah, of course it's tricky. It's tricky across the board. Even what we're talking about being attached to our work, but yes, also with people as well. Because I get attached to the marrow. Like as I go deep with somebody, it's like, it's, I, I really, it's like whenever I've broken up with somebody, it's like a detox for me. It's, yeah. it's so painful. It's so like, totally. well, yeah. you've been, you've also been very transparent about your experience with codependency mm-hmm. um, and all of that too. And so for you, truly relationships with people has been a drug for you. And so yeah. like Jake, obviously you were talking about like the music for you to a certain extent and also kind of the performance and the attention, like that has become a drug or had become a drug at a certain point too. So really detoxing from that and being able to check the attachments that we have to these things as a way for us to feel secure and as a way that we're gauging why we even matter and belong, you know, here at all, that that's the stuff that we really need to, those are the narratives that we need to rewrite, be able to work on things through that. Well said. (laughs) Thank you. So what was your process? You said it was like till 2005, that that's when it was really starting to hit you. 2005, 2006, I got a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love mine. Woman who's still my psychiatrist. It's Mm -hmm. been like 16 Uh, years. Yay, therapy. She's she's got, you know, she's got all the notes. um, And uh, yeah, I got on meds, uh, which I've been on ever since. And uh, there was one time a couple years later where I was like, I feel pretty good. I think I'm fine. And uh, slowly got off of them. 
And, you know, when depressed, like when the depression sneaks up on you, it's like once it's, once you realize it's there, it's too late. Yeah. For me. Once I've never I'm heard like, it put that way no, before. Fuck. Yes. I'm dep- like, this is, it's here. Yes. And then you've got to figure, find your way out of it. But it's like, you don't necessarily realize it's coming on. Yeah. When it ha- I don't necessarily, like, I, I don't necessarily realize when it's coming on. So I lost another summer around like 2009. Uh, I lost like three months that like took me to find my, like get, get back out of it, which sucked. And so I never want to experience that again. Like I don't want to, time is too precious. I don't want to lose a season of my life. Um, So, you know, I I just feel like it's, it's, you know, it's something that I'm going to have to probably be on for the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. I'm totally fine with that. I don't, I, I'd rather do that than, than risk uh, falling back into something and like, and, and losing time again, you know? Cause I'm a, I'm a really happy person for right. the most part. Yeah. Uh, I'm generally, I've got a very happy disposition and yeah, I kind of fell back into this. I broke up with my boyfriend in July and it was just the, I mean, it, it really, I, I, I came undone for, for a, a, a good minute. Um, and, uh, you know, but it was just, it was, it was shorter, you know, I've got my, yeah. I've got support of like, I've got a great relationship therapist. I've got a, uh, you know, great psychiatrist I've had for a long time. So with their help, uh, my friends took me to the Caribbean for a month. Which Yeah, some good antidepressants yeah. for you. Perfect, perfect time. I got oh, wow. like getting your yeah. groove back. I mean, seriously. Yeah, <laughs> it was, that was just. Uh, I don't know what I would have done for a month. And for a month, nothing to do there. Nothing. There was nothing it, to do. But it did really bring I, I brought some of my equipment down and 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 made music, and we just exercised twice a day. And I wasn't having any alcohol and just like, you know, got to be. So by the time summer ended, I was really ready to come back to New Orleans. You were in the Caribbean without alcohol? <laughs> uh, I would give my, I would let myself do a rum punch on Friday nights. Okay. All right. <laughs> like, there you go. There you go. I, it's that thing. It's like, it's, it's, it's detoxing. I think it really is like from the, from an attachment from somebody. You know, uh, oh it's, God. it's, it's the deepest thing. Are you writing new stuff now? Have you written anything um, recently that's reflective of the time that you've been through recently? I have attempted, I don't know if it's anything, you know, it, it comes out and I'm sure I'm still sort of letting it come. I'm still going through it. You know, I'm still, uh, uh, it's that, that attachment thing. I was, I was dating this guy, you know, give or take off and on for like three years and it's just a long, you know, a long time. And it's, it was really, I, uh, put so much work into, I really put so much work into it and I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm a super romantic person. Aww. Um, and so I just really like, you know, gave it, gave it everything until I just had this realization that like, I don't think, I don't think there's anything else I can do really. So, yeah. Well, it's been uh, great talking to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I can't see being in a relationship any other way. I I don't know what it's like to be in a relationship where I'm not giving 300% of myself. Yeah. And if yeah. you're too much for somebody, I always feel like there's uh, my husband and 
and my dogs are the people that I was the first pe- person I met and my son mm-hmm. where I was, I was needed. All of that was needed from me. Mm-hmm. That kind of intensity was needed and appropriate, mm-hmm. but maybe I changed. Maybe I was just like, I just met you. Here's my heart and a limb. You know, it's the, it's, I think it's, I, Oh, hello. Now you've got the dogs going. <laughs> oh, baby. He has bad dreams. He has nightmares. And oh, he, yeah. I love yeah. doggy dreams. My, my dog has them all the time. This is our canine special. It's the best. Um, it's, it's, I just don't see, I think that's wholehearted loving. Uh, Matthew, do you feel like most people are like that or, or, or am I the exception? No, I don't think most people are like that. But I, but I would say that there's uh, obviously a healthy amount of people who are like that too. And it gets really tricky sometimes. And I think especially when we think about the ways in which we uh, approach a relationship, I do this too, by the way. So I'm like, I'm with you guys. Like I really give everything and I give all of it. I also have a a history in my life of a lot of caretaking stuff. I mean, hello, I'm a therapist, but that can bleed over into a a, a kind of a a little bit of its own codependency where I'm Mm. constantly taking care of somebody, constantly showering somebody with attention and, you know, wanting to make it work. And that's a real difference between um, love and codependency, because if we're overwhelmingly doing stuff for other people, making them a priority before we're even in a really healthy way, meeting our own baseline needs, then that's fostering some level of dependency. And then that Mm. becomes strings attached. And that's a barter system. And love is a gift, not a barter. Mm. So it's, it's, it's a tricky thing, especially when it, you know, has the, um, on the surface seems just like, oh my God, so much love. But being able to tease out a little bit of maybe the unhealthy attachments that can be a part of that. I think what you said that if you're not taking care of your own needs, yes, then and, and if you're not taking care of your own needs and then you start attending to the needs of somebody else, if you're drawing from an empty well, that can only lead to resentment. You have no, yes, it leads to resentment. You have nothing legitimate to give. You have to make sure that your cup is full first uh, so that the overflow can actually be what other people get. And then you're not clinging to other people to have to, you know, kind of be there for you in ways. I have nothing left to give you, Matthew. You've taken everything. <laughs> yes. Finally. Um, Jake, it sounds like you're filling the well when you, because I, I need a lot of downtime and quiet time and, and, and time to do nothing. Mm-hmm. It sounds like oh, you know, in your isolation that you're just kind of replenishing. Yeah, I definitely need, I get, I call it getting peopled out. Mm. Oh, I like that. Peopled out. And so I have to have, uh, and that's what New Orleans has kind of always been for me, has just been like a place where I can be sort of alone a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, and I don't want to imply that, that this, that this guy didn't do, uh, you know, that my boyfriend didn't do work um, as well, but God, it's, it's still, you know, in, in having this alone time, it's still, you know, it's, it's haunting, you know, it it haunts you when I go to bed at night, it's just like, like I play the breakup over and over and over and over. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. That's what I do. You know, and I can't, I keep, I call it like, like resetting the, the, the board, like resetting the chess pieces, seeing like playing like all the different versions yeah, um, that could have happened, and be I, like, I oh, replay the fight together in my head where I win. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, let me ask you this question because obviously, you know, when a situation like a breakup or anything like that happens, of course, that's going to weigh heavy on us. But it's also not just the experience itself; it's also the meaning that we attach to it. So that and that really probably more than anything could be the very thing that does haunt us—the meaning that we attach to why and how things happen the way it did. What would you say that was for you? 
I think just hurt. Like I just felt, I, I felt super, I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't know if that's the meaning or sense. whatnot, but just like, and in, you know, a deep, deep hurt. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that, that I just, I keep, I'm sort of like just trying to sort of find my way through. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So for, I'll just speak personally is that when, when pain turns to suffering for me, it's because I have this whole negative kind of bullshit script in my head that just keeps going on a loop. Like I should have done this differently, or I should have been open more, or how come I didn't love this person more? Or how come I couldn't make that work? What's wrong with me? And that's when the shame surfaces and that's what tortures me. And so it's checking in on that part of it, not the understandable pain of a loss, but the suffering with my kind of negative, irrational bullshit that spins and brings me down to that place. Yeah, that's a good way to that's a good way to put it. And then I get I get I get jealous of the rest of his life. <laughs> oh, my God, totally. I, I get, you know, I just have this, you know, I feel this sort of jealousy about, you know not, you know, wherever he is and whatever he's doing and wherever yeah. he's going. And I'm sure that's yeah. going to go away. It's going to, you know, it's, it's just a matter of time. And I have some days are better than others. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's so easy to compare our behind the scenes to other people's highlight reel, right? We can yeah. have a fantasy about what somebody's doing and how they're, that they've gone on and they're not thinking about us and they're fine and they're happy. And we're just like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. The, the attachment thing. It's like, I'm so glad when I was, you know, in the nineties that social media didn't exist. Because uh, I would have yeah. stopped. Oh my God. Every yeah. move. Yeah. That must make it impossible. I have to scrub. <laughs> I've got to scrub. I don't want to know anything, anybody that knows the two of us. I preface information yeah. saying, just so you know, I don't want any, please don't give me any information. Yeah. Just because I just think for me, that's going to be the best way to, to get yeah. to, the, to the other side. I'm the what same is- way. You're in New Orleans. You're a creative person. You have the spirit. You're, it's a very haunted place. You said the word haunted earlier. Yeah, I got I got molested by a ghost here. Really? Oh, was he attractive? Uh, he was good looking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, was, he was not. Yeah, he was. A, he was small. When you, when you say it was it, Hervé Villachez from Fantasy Island was he like Jake? I want you, Jake. <laughs> I've dreamt of this moment. I couldn't make it happen while I was alive. And now you're all mine. Was it like that? No, 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 no. He was, uh, he was on the first night. He played with my left nipple. Uh, (laughs) How did you know he was small? Was he standing on your nipple? I saw him on the second night. I saw him on the second night. So it was really just in a nutshell. I thought I woke up. I thought a cat had jumped on the bed and I realized that it was someone's knee. Getting on the bed. Whoa. (laughs) Sleep paralysis a million times, but nothing. I've never had my first two nights here was five years ago. And the second night he uh, crawled on from the foot of the bed and woke me up. And that was truly terrifying because I realized that it wasn't a dream, that it was really happening. That it was happening the second time. And I was like, because the night before had been so intense. And I spent the whole next day telling everybody I was just like, it's something weird happened. And and lo and behold, he came back, uh, crawled on the bed, and straddled my back and started humping me. Whoa! Yeah, and you're, I, trying to, you're trying to stay away from all the gays in New Orleans, but the sex is finding you. Well, the ghost gay has gotten to you. But I threw him off me. I got him <laughs> off me, and I saw him for a split second. And he was he was small and had blonde hair, and then was gone. He had it like- was Truman Capote. <laughs> 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 I don't think it's Truman Capote, but maybe <laughs> did, from, you know. Did you sage? Did you like have a little cleanse? Did you, Next yeah. I did research, I got a broomstick and a, you know, uh, I got some stuff from one of the voodoo shops here and 
talk to it and, uh, you know, burn sage in the room and, and all Perfect. that stuff. And it, it never came uh, and it didn't come back. It was the last time. Whatever. <laughs> I can take a hint. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of feel like it was, um, it was sort of New Orleans getting the welcome wagon out for me. I sort wow. Of, wow. I've got to come to New Orleans. I'm there. Always, always, always. I always feel like it's that feeling in the back of your neck, walking to the quarter. I'm always like looking back, like what's, what's, what's going on? Well, and when you're in the quarter, the strange, the strange thing is I love walking through kind of late at night or sort of when it's quiet. And like when you're walking around, you, you look around and realize that like, this is exactly what it looked like, you know, a hundred years ago, 200 years ago. Like it, it, it hasn't changed. Yeah. So it really yeah. feels like you're, you know, in another time. It's all these times kind of like laying on top of each other. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Well, speaking of laying on top of each other, that's something I'd like to do with the two of you for the rest <laughs> of the afternoon, but we can't. <laughs> end of our program. Um, uh, oh, <laughs> I'm just thinking about ghost nipple play. Yeah, that's all that's going through my, I'm actually a little jealous. As frightening as that sounds, I feel a little, my ego is a little hurt. <laughs> Your nipples must be spectacular. Jake, where um, where can people find you on the social media? Uh, just Jake Shears on Instagram is kind of my main, my main haunt. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hot message. Oh yeah. Oh, hot message. Um, every, we always end our show with a, with a hot message and given everything that you've gone through with, with depression and breakups, if there was somebody who was going through the similar thing that you're going through now, what would you tell them in order to deal with this time? Um, I, I just think when you're in the thick of it, it's, you, it feels like, um, you know, I love taking LSD sometimes. I'm just going to say that. And, uh, and it's so bad. If, if I come I, to New Orleans, can we do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Day. Super fun. Go have a day walking around. I like doing it daytime, but, but, you know, say if you take too much on accident or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> accidentally taking too much acid there's, there's been times where i thought i was like microdosing and it was like I, <laughs> you were macrodosing yeah <laughs> uh you know at a at a fancy christmas party no less um but you know you're in the thick of it and you you really stop and you're just like is this what the rest of my life is going to be like oh okay ever going yeah. to stop like, is there, so my message would be that when you're in the thick of it, it's really, you, you can't, your, your brain can't seem to like see a way out of it and feels like it's going to be this way forever. Um, but you, you will find a way out of it and it's not forever. Yeah. That's great. Yep. You're a magical person. I love you. And I'm going to take LSD with you in New Orleans and have sex with ghosts. Yeah. Come on down. Come on down. There's plenty of, I've got, I've got a little condo for you to stay in. There's, yeah, there's a doing little, it. It's a date. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jake. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. He's a magical, magical human being. Yes. I, I could have talked to him for like, I forever. 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 Yeah. What's your hot message? Hot uh, stuff. My odd message uh, would actually be kind of similar to Jake's, which is um, this too shall pass. And I think that's a really important thing, especially for people who process like I do, where I'm constantly searching for the deeper meaning mm -hmm. and trying to understand things. You know, you can only do that, but to a certain point and after a certain point recognizing, okay, I don't know, but I'm not broken. That's what I'll know. And I also know that this isn't going to last forever. And it's just kind of like being in the ocean and trying to fight back every wave. You're going to get fucking pummeled. 
So learn mm-hmm. how to surf, ride the wave back in, and you will land back on shore. Right. What you resist persists. Yes, if, there's, if you're lost, if you're, it's that thing of like, there is, you have to Google earth everything. You got to have a higher perspective and know that the one thing you can count on is change. Eventually yeah. this will change. Yes. Oh boy. What a show. What, what a show. Day. I've been through a lot with you in the past hour. Uh, yes. Where can people find you on, um, on uh, your socials? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MJ Dempsey psych and Matthew J Dempsey psychotherapy on Facebook. I, you know, when I look at you, I always think about that story that you told me one time about being uh, having a towel around your head and and you were in drag as a kid. You, you said to your father, hey, big boy. I don't know why I just thought that. Just I love it. Hey, big boy. I'm Alec Moppa. You can find me at Alec Moppa on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find us both at The Hot Mess Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We yes. want to hear from you. Please. Don't, yeah, please, please. We love hearing from you. Um, don't forget to download and subscribe. We are nothing without you. We're so grateful that you chose to listen to us this week. Tune in next week for some more Hot Mess Fun. Bye, everybody. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.